Beyond Synth, Season 7, Sequence Commencing in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Well, hello there. Welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 194. Today, my guest is FM Attack. This is one of those guys that's been making music for a very long time, and I should have probably had on the show a lot earlier. But uh, who cares? He's here now, so we're going to be chatting with him later in the show. And also, we will be debuting a new FM Attack track probably at the very end of the episode so stay tuned for that after i'm done uh, chatting with him we'll debut the song so you gotta so you gotta listen to the whole thing or you could just skip to the end but uh, i wouldn't want you to do that to be fair i can't really control what you do but that's okay look let's get the show started man and lady (laughs) i don't know if i mentioned this last time but i just want to do a little shout out to some of my beyond sin supporters who have upgraded their support that's right Uh, Did I mention that Luke Timmermans has upgraded his support? I might have mentioned that last week. I forget. But anyways, thanks, dude. You're a cool guy. He's now in the uh, the Triple Six Club, or as we like to call it, the Donation of the Beast. And the Axel Effect has upgraded his support. Thanks, the Axel Effect. You're... A cool guy! And, last but not least, definitely lot least, definitely lot least. <laughs> of course, Jimpy has maintained his weekly tradition of upgrading his support! Jimpy! Jimpy, I'm secretly hoping that one of these days you turn out to be an oil baron. The oil baron I've been looking for this whole time. But uh, I really do uh, appreciate your support, and it's fun to say Jimpy every week. Anyway, so let's get this show started with some music. So Ace Buchanan just sent me over this track, so I figured we would listen to this. I believe this is pronounced Mizukage. I'm not too keen on Naruto in that I don't really know anything about Naruto, but I believe this is a Naruto thing. So I went on the internet to find out. How do you pronounce this? Because I wanted to say Mizu Cage, but it's uh, Mizukage. And this track is called Mizukage Prototype by Ace Buchanan.
Mizukage Prototype by Ace Buchanan, and that is a cool track. I don't know anything about Naruto other than there's that guy with the blonde spiky hair, right? Isn't there like fighting games based based on Naruto? Am I even saying that right? Is it Naruto? People are going to get mad at me, but that's okay. Uh, so we got some things to talk about before we get to my conversation with FM Attack. So I want to remind all of you, FM Attack is going to be one of the acts playing at Outland Toronto in July. And I will post a link in the show description to the Facebook page for Outland Toronto 2019. So that's happening on July 6th to the 7th. So if you're going to be in the Toronto area, I suggest that's something that you do uh, at that time, man. Outland Toronto 2019, Time Cop 1983, FM Attack, Calyx, Dana Jean Phoenix, Michael Oakley, Mecha Mako, Parallels. It's going to be a, a fun show, all day thing, and I'll be there, and lots of people are actually coming up to visit uh, who will be there too. So uh, it's uh, going to be a good time man outland toronto and uh, you can get to know fm attack today as he'll be one of the people uh, playing at the show and did i tell you that that song we just played was brought to you by my awesome patreon supporters chris dance and have i told you that chris dance is the king of the pattersons but you know who else i really like uh, and I've thought about this for a while. William Stewart. He's a neat fellow. I'm trying out something new. Instead of calling people cool guys, I'm going to call people neat fellows. See how that works for everybody. You know, another neat fellow is Jose Arbello. These people I'm naming support uh, Beyond Synth on Patreon. But the neatest fellow of all is Mr. Jacob Wick. And if you hear sounds in the background of toys and uh, things clickety-clanking, clickety... <laughs> Uh, my daughter has wandered into the studio, and I think someone got my son some Fortnite playset, like plastic toys, and it's very noisy. Anyway, let's listen to another track. This one is a request from Retro Revolutions. That's right, Retro Revolutions on YouTube. Jared, who sponsors Beyond Synth and makes cool videos, has a new one out, which I will uh, tell you about in just a second, because it is out now. And I will also post the link in uh, the show description. But first, he wants us to listen to this song, and we're going to because it's cool. This is by The Motion Epic, requested by Retro Revolutions. This is Strange Love.
And that was Strange Love by The Motion Epic. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's City Hunter, Lucas Ceballos. And then in the $25 Club, there's Clint Dowling and Hugh Hefner. And, uh, oh, well, my voice is doing funny things today. So, uh, listen, that was requested by Retro Revolutions because he's got a new video up. It's part two of the Broken to Beautiful, the Midnight Consolized Game Boy Color Part 2. <laughs> Sorry, I love when the, the video titles are so long. Anyway, he was uh, making a consoleized Game Boy Color, so it's got, like, new ports and stuff, so you can take the Game Boy Color and plug it into a TV, and it's for the midnight, and Mizu Cat painted it, and it's a cool video. There's some, like, uh, some history lesson on the Game Boy in there and stuff like that. Hey, look at this. Phony B says, I'm looking at the YouTube comments on the video. The bottom line is, Retro Revolutions is a cool guy. Nice build, mate. I'm assuming that's a Beyond Synth reference, or maybe that's just me taking credit for other people's stuff. Anyways, look, go check out the video. It's a good time, and you can see a lot of cool, talented people put some work into that, and uh, it's really cool. So, without further ado, let's listen to some more music. Uh, How about we listen to this track by Blue Fixer? That's Fixer with two X's. Uh, This is from the album Safe From Love, and this is the track Safe From Love. That's easy. Uh, And I hope you enjoy this. It's brought to you by my awesome uh, Patreon supporters in the $25 Dollar Club, Honeybeard, Eric Dahlberg, Tim Carlton, and Johnny Five. And this is Blue Fixer with Safe from Love.
right, and that was Safe from Love by Blue Fixer. I'd have to be a maniac to not play that song. And uh, that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $25 Club, Emilio Astavez, Pattern Shift, Kempson, and Joey and Kendra. And speaking of Honeybeard, uh, I went to their show. Was that on Friday? Mecha Mako was playing and Honeybeard and Love Wizard. And uh, that was a good time. I finally got to meet Honeybeard because I always see him at places. I always say him. It's two guys. But, you know, the, the singer guy. Uh, but I met them both and we had a fun uh, chat and it was good to see everybody. And Holly and Oliver from uh, Parallels showed up and Dana Jean was there. And that was fun because Mecha Mako was playing Cold, the song that Dana Jean sings on. And I don't think they planned for Dana Jean to sing, but Dana Jean is a very, she's a consummate professional. When Haley started playing the song, Dana just kind of went up there and just started singing. Like it, was, <laughs> like it was just her show and then did her song and got off stage. And so that was fun. Had a good time and, and it was good. I'm trying to think, was there somebody else there? Well, Exile was there, Kyle, and Mellow Fields was there too. Who else was there? Anyway, it was a good time. I'd never been to that uh, that place before, so it was nice. And the brickwork leading up to it, because it's one of those bars that's on like the third floor of like a you know another building. And the bricks on the wall, you could tell the building was made in like the seventies. It felt like um, like the dude behind me was commenting that it felt like going to like an ice rink. And I was like, yeah, man, that's it's exactly what it felt like. It's uh, it's hard to explain. Maybe it's just a Canadian thing. Uh, but there's a a certain style of brick that you would see in sort of like a rec building built in like the 70s, like a recreation place. And like where anyway, this is dumb. Look, let's listen to some more music. Listen, I, the point is I had fun. All right. And uh, Honeybeard was repping Beyond Synth because he's wearing his Beyond Synth shirt. So that was cool. I didn't even have to pay him to do it. Although that would be really weird anyways, because he's one of the Beyond Synth supporters. So uh, who knows, man? Look. Uh, let's listen to some more music. Here is a track by Lothar. I think that's how you say this. L-W-T-H-R. Lothar. I think that's how we're going to pronounce that. Brought to you uh, by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. Martin Larby, Gregorio Franco, Blake Peterson, and Mike Shima. And this track is called Neon Light Waves by Lothar.
And that was Lothar with the track Neon Lightwaves from the album EP1, brought to you uh, by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Rachel Buchelman, Murat. Those two are battling it out with the 1985 and the 1984, both years. That's literally all I have to say about that. <laughs> Those are both years. And uh, in the $15 Club, we got Hampus ML and Ken Giroux. And later on in the show, we'll be chatting with FM Attack and debuting a new FM Attack track just for you. So look, I don't know what's going on with Game of Thrones, man. No spoilers, but I feel like that show has lost its edge. I know Marco and Florence are uh, Game of Thrones fans as well, so maybe we'll do a review series when the show is over in a few weeks. But uh, the past few episodes, there's been so many opportunities to like take out characters and brutal ways the way the show used to do and it just isn't doing it and it feels weird it's sort of like why are these people not killing each other i don't know i don't want to spoil anything look i just know that i'm confused i'm uh, watching the show and as i'm watching it i don't think it's bad as i watch the new episodes of game of thrones i don't sit there going this is bad television this show just used to be harder it was just a harder show it just had more edge and now it's sort of soft and hollywoody and i'm hoping listen i hope they pull out something crazy for the last to, but if these first few episodes are any indication, I feel like we gotta brace ourselves for the fact that the show is gonna end on a meh note, which is really disappointing because I think Game of Thrones is amazing, and I've thought this show was so awesome, and then last season, season 7, I thought the problem was that everything was in fast forward. I've said that many times. I just felt like, wow, the timeline of this show is sped up drastically to get different characters where they need to be, but now I'm thinking the problem is that the show just isn't edgy enough anymore. This was a show that used to be really cruel and brutal to its main characters in surprising ways where you didn't see it coming and like, holy shit, like crazy things happened that were so intense and out of nowhere. And I just haven't had that feeling with the show in a long time. Probably the last three seasons. I'm trying to think of the last thing that happened in Game of Thrones where I was like, genuinely surprised. I was like, oh wow, like that was a pretty intense thing. That was crazy. A lot of the stuff that happens now is just kind of there. Like they have a checklist of things that they have to get to and they're just sort of doing it. I don't know. Anyway, look, I want to listen to more music, but let me know what you think, man. Like, are people satisfied with this season of Game of Thrones? I don't know. It's been weird. But look, there's always cool music to listen to, right? So that's what we're going to do. This is a track by Chris... I don't know how you say your last name. Do you say Kea or Kia? K-E-Y-A. That could be Kia or Kea. Chris Kea? Chris Kia. Hmm. Well, Chris, you're going to have to let me know. The bottom line is it's a cool song, and you can let me know if I pronounced it. Well, of course, I pronounced it wrong because I said it two different ways. Uh, or maybe there's a there's a fourth way, a fourth uh, way that I didn't consider, like yeah. And, of course, there would have to be a third way, which I just <laughs> skipped. Anyway, this is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Chatterack, there's Upgrade Jimpy, Mads Baron Christensen, and we will never forget the immortal Chris Lyalane. And this is Chris Kia, or Chris Kea. Kia? Anyway, look, this is Elm Street.
And that was Elm Street by Chris Kia. <laughs> that's what I've landed on, so that's probably going to be the wrong pronunciation. Anyway, that's a cool track. I hope you enjoy that. And I hope you've all been enjoying the uh, Beyond Synth high fives. I know the past few weeks, sometimes I'm delivering the regular Beyond Synths late. That is not because of the high five, it's just because the schedule here has been uh, really crazy, but I am trying to maintain uh, delivering an episode of Beyond Synth every week, and so sometimes because of the way the schedule has been, I can't always drop the episode on Monday morning, and that's why I've been doing the Beyond Synth high fives as well, so that should tide people over. So if the episode's a little late, you know there's some Beyond Synth from Friday you can listen to. Is that a good enough justification? I hope so. Oh, and I had a question for everybody. Um, maybe this is a question for people who are local here in the Toronto area, but maybe this is something that other people know about in whatever city you're from, is about renting spaces. You know, I've, I've been thinking about trying to arrange some kind of synthwave night, but I don't know anything. Eh? Like, I'm not good at organization and planning, obviously, if you're listening to this episode and going, how come this didn't drop in the morning? And that is because I am recording it in the afternoon. <laughs> That's why. Um, So I don't know. Uh, I've been thinking about that, and obviously you always think about approaching bars or venues like that about doing a thing. But, you know, the synthwave scene is still relatively small, and oftentimes when we have these events, you know, it's not like a huge crowd turns up, but we want to have a place where we can maybe, like, build an audience. And I was thinking, like, what are some other kinds of spaces that you can rent? See, maybe I've been thinking about this the wrong way. Maybe I should be thinking about renting, like, you know, art gallery space or something. You know, hire some DJs to come in. Or some location where you can set up, like, a temporary bar and stuff. This is all shit I don't really know too much about. But I would like to know more. And if any of you have any, uh, you know, if any listeners have any experience with, like, you know, setting up events or something like that, I'd be interested to know what sort of creative solutions you guys came up with if you weren't just approaching a bar that already exists for setting up an event. You know, like, what kind of weird locations? Maybe we can have those weird fucking warehouse parties like the ravers had in the 90s but those were illegal weren't they wasn't that the thing like they'd have those warehouse parties but then the cops would show up and be like quit dancing you nerds or whatever the hell the the cops said i don't know anyway this is some food for thought i guess it's food for my thought because maybe you guys don't care so look let's (laughs) let's listen to one more track and then uh we'll go chat with fm attack so here is a cool song by proper disco and i believe they spell this with a lowercase p and a lowercase d but the rest of the letters are capitalized proper disco and this is a cool one this is space and time enjoy
And that was Proper Disco with the track Space and Time. And that is a cool track. Let's do a little shout-out. Uh, I'll do a little random shout-out here to some $10 patrons. Uh, Justin Armour, Ashley Keegan. Oh, I think Ashley Keegan got her sweaters and her shirts uh, that she ordered from the, the Beyond Synth shop, so that's cool. Uh, Skunk Raider, Joe Ozone. And Retro Serenade. Thank you all for supporting Beyond Synth. You know, if you want to support the show, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth, like all of these awesome people I've mentioned. Or uh, you can just go to beyondsynth.com and click on the PayPal donate button. And that's also a way to support the show. And it is very, very helpful. And now, my friends, let us go chat with FM Attack. Well, I am here with FM Attack. How's it going, man? Good, Andy. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, well, thanks for being here. You are Sean. That's right. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So you are uh, another one of these people who I should have probably talked to years and years and years ago. Uh, You're one of the OGs. That stands for original gangster. Oh, man. That's a nice compliment. If you're a gangster. (laughs) I'm feeling OG now. (laughs) You know, you're one of the the few people in this scene who uh, made music before it was a scene, before the word synthwave existed, and before the movie Drive. So that's cool. Yeah, it's coming up uh, 10 years now. It's hard to believe. Yeah, it's crazy. Because so many people I talk to, you know, the genesis of their project hinges on the movie Drive. Like, that's a very common thing. Definitely. But there are a few people uh, like yourself who, uh, you know, didn't need drive. Yeah, I got inspired a lot by uh, Lifelike and Anorak, 90s trance, like all kinds of stuff. What's your favorite uh, trance song? You're putting me on the spot there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think what mine is. Wow. I, I used to listen to Tiesto, but I don't remember song titles necessarily yeah i'd say like i like robert miles children it's oh not yeah a- yeah fucking of course yeah i mean maybe i said this on the show sometimes i get it in my head that like you know what maybe there's some people from the 80s and the 90s whose careers aren't like you know like where, where they'd actually come on my show sort of thing i don't usually reach out to those types of people but i always think wouldn't it be interesting like and um I reached out, I was listening to a playlist of 90s, you know, techno and trance and shit, and I remember Children, I'm like, yeah, Children, like, that song's really, really good. And I reached out to Robert Miles two days before he died. Oh, you're kidding, man. Obviously, he didn't see it and wouldn't have, but it was such a weird thing because no one had talked about Robert Miles in years. Yeah. I just thought, wouldn't it be cool to talk to one of these, like, 90s, you know, like, DJs, techno guys, and... I reached out to him. Wow. And then two days later, he, it was, he was dead. And I'm like, uh, what a weird fucking coincidence that was. <laughs> like, That must have uh, tripped you out pretty bad. And that's when it was reported, right? So technically speaking, maybe he died, you know, when I was sending that letter. Maybe he looked at it and was like, jeez, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. So I, I started making a list of, of these types of artists and every so often I'm like, maybe I'll just reach out and see. Like, wouldn't it be weird to talk to like two unlimited you know what i mean like we're too unlimited oh, like just, i would just be hilarious to talk to people like that i think that would be awesome anyway how are you today good i'm uh having a good uh, cup of coffee here getting over a, a bad flu actually Ooh. yeah i was down for a couple days my daughter got it too of course so 
you know how that goes, right? Yeah, man, because they just cough right in your fucking face. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter's in daycare, and it's nice because that gives me an opportunity to work. It's not nice because of how expensive it is. But then once cold season starts, like when she brings it back, and it's just there, a big fucking thick green snot. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, then everyone in the house is sick all of a sudden, mysteriously. Yeah, daycare just uh, sends it home to you. But you're feeling better now? Oh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good now. Oh, I just got... Uh, <laughs> I just got my chime. Record with FM Attack. Oh, perfect. It says, yeah, my calendar says, record with FM Attack, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yes, because uh, I should apologize, because we were actually scheduled to do this last week. And possibly the first time in doing this show for seven seasons, I've been so frazzled lately with all the different projects and the schedule of the show, and I never have any time to do anything, that I didn't put it in the fucking calendar. And then that day, that particular day, I was working all day and I felt this sort of satisfaction at the end and I didn't look at my email all afternoon and I'm like, hey, I'm actually getting stuff done and I felt like proud. And then I log into my email and the top one is a message from you on Twitter like, all right, man, I'm ready to go whenever you're ready. And it was from like five hours earlier. (laughs) And I was like, no, like I fucking, (laughs) that feeling of satisfaction I had that I actually had an accomplished day like vanished in a fucking second. Second, so <laughs> I apologize because I literally my ma- my last message to you was I'm going to put this in the calendar, and then something must have distracted me, and I never did. Yeah, and uh, I felt bad. Ah, it's all good. Life gets in the way once in a while. Well, I'm happy you're such an easygoing guy. Now you sort of have this dual life between Vancouver and Mexico. Yeah, actually, um, my uh, wife, she's from Mazatlan, Mexico, so we have a cool place like on a cliff. We rent a really cool apartment. I have my studio here, and it's pretty inspirational. But we're moving back to Vancouver in uh, May. We go for like four or five months every year to Canada, and my mom's from Ireland, so uh, we've traveled there quite a bit over the last few years, too. So So then you have to make your your studio kind of portable. Actually, no, because um, I have it set up here. I don't do a lot of music when I'm on the road, which is weird. A lot of artists do that. But I just kind of, when I'm not at the studio, I just kind of try to get inspired by real life. But in a couple months, everything's going to change, bringing it back to Vancouver. And we'll see how that sort of affects the writing. Do you find it's a different stuff comes out of you like get a different vibe when you're breathing the the mexico air yeah definitely there's influence for sure but like dramatic i i wrote that album in canada so and astrowave i wrote deja vu and stellar here mexico well how about this let's get this started here because obviously you've been making music for a long time i have a lot of uh, tracks i wanted to play so we're going to go through the whole sort of history of fm attack so you just brought up dramatic so Let's listen to it. And this is from 2009. Uh, This is a cool song uh, that I dug. This one's called Hot Girls in Love. All right. By (laughs) FM Attack. Cool.
That was Hot Girls in Love by FM Attack. And I'm here with FM Attack right now, Sean. So how's it going? Good. Andy. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I should say also, too, Marco loves you, man. He speaks very highly of you. Oh, Marco Merrick. Mm. He's like, it's weird. When we first met in person, we were like soul brothers it was like we'd known each other our entire lives awesome guy he might even be coming up to uh to outland toronto yeah he mentioned that he's coming so that's gonna be a very busy weekend (laughs) i've got some things i want to do but i don't know how available everyone's gonna be because it it might be very packed yeah i have i have a plan
plan that's really, really stupid if people are available, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, it'd be cool for us to get together for a beer. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, I hope I can enjoy myself, but I feel like because I'm going to be there, I'm, I'm going to be recording interviews and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, which means you and I will speak again. That's right. Although <laughs> I guess I didn't really okay this with anybody, but I'm sure everyone will be fine with it. I feel like I'll be like working that day. Oh, you will for sure. I'll be working too, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on the same wavelength. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to me a bit about then making music, why you started like in 2009 and why this was the sort of sound you were, you were going for. I kind of, uh, I got influenced a lot by uh, a lot of the synthier kind of music that was coming out around that time, 2007, 2008. As I mentioned, Lifelike, uh, Anorak, Grum, all those guys really influenced me. College. To me, those guys are the actual pioneers, especially Lifelike. I think he was really ahead of the times, you know? Were you making music before? Yeah, I, I used to uh, write a lot of house music, so I was kind of into different vibes. It's it's weird. I, I was into, like, Latin jazz and, and like, uh, deep house, deep jazzy house. So it's a totally different style obviously but you know my mom she loves like synth pop and you read i grew up with eurythmics all that stuff mm-hmm. like heavy heavy new wave roots and my dad more of a rocker yeah so i had a, a lot of good influence growing up what were you doing with the house music like were you djing things or were you just making it making it and i, I actually got to uh, go to europe a few times and south america and uh, but i got into it too late basically you know house music started dying out around 2004 2005 i started putting out records around 2001 2002 i was a bit late to the party there were you fm attack or were you something else no i just went uh, under my own name i first got signed by tiga so he was like massive in 2000s. So he helped me out, got me a lot of gigs and stuff. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So around that time, I'm trying to think. So was this a big like E scene? Like what goes on in the house scene in terms of the, the drugs that people are doing? <laughs> oh, God. Probably everything. Mm. I'm not into that stuff, but it's everywhere. Like house, I was never into house necessarily. Now, mind you, I'm not super educated in the subject, but in the 90s, I gravitated more towards industrial and then trance and i also listen to dance music as well like when i think about much music i think of that it's toronto but was there a vancouver version or did they just stream the toronto one it was all toronto yeah for sure so you remember those fucking cds dance mix 93 and i'm trying to think of that famous dj in the mid 90s what was his name he released a bunch of them, and he was from Toronto. He, he was huge. Because remember, yeah, there was the ones that had his name, and then there was the ones that were just like the Much Music, Dance Mix 93, Dance Mix 90. Like, those are the ones I listened to was like, I think from like Dance Mix 93 to 95, maybe. Chris Shepard, that was his name. Right, yes, yes, yes. Those quintessential, like those cool people in the 90s, where if you look at them now, and like, I feel like if I looked at him, he would look like some greasy dude. Hold on. Yeah, like a cheesy raver guy. Is he still around? I don't know, but he was pretty big back then. I remember I had all those rave CDs. An Electric Circus that was so big. <laughs> like an Electric Circus. 
<laughs> I forgot about that. I remember I, I would go to parties and there were these dudes and this was like towards like the, the late 90s uh, or maybe like 97, 98. And there was these this group of guys that were just these losers who wore like these tight V-neck shirts and they just danced like electric circus style. Oh, yeah. And so we would always make fun of them because like just like, oh, here comes electric circus. And they'd be like on the dance floor, like doing this fucking ridiculous shit <laughs> for the audience. Electric circus was a show that they aired on much music television, which was basically just a late night dance show where they played techno music and then it was just a room full of people dancing, but in that really stupid 90s way where like people are wearing like silver latex and they got glow sticks and <laughs> those little thin like dread things with beads in them and stuff like hackers, like the movie Hackers. Total ravers. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's what I'm explaining. I'm bad at yeah. this. <laughs> But actually, uh, I'm ashamed to say it. We'd like watch that religiously because DJs would go on there and, and release new music and stuff. So it was pretty cool. So, yeah. So why did I ask that? Oh, yeah, because I wanted to know a bit about what the house scene was like. But how about this? I want to listen to another song first and then we'll talk more. All right. All right. Here's another one from Dreamatic, which I like. This one's got nice, catchy vocals. This one's called Memorex by FM Attack. Thank you. 
And that was Memorex by FM Attack. And I'm here with FM Attack right now. Sean, how's it going? Andy, it's going great. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about techno music. And uh, so you said you were you were doing house and you, you traveled to Europe and stuff. So like... How do you describe that scene? I went to the UK, Germany, Sweden. It was just awesome back then in the mid-2000s. Being from Vancouver, there was a huge house scene there. That obviously influenced me a lot. It was like the mecca for house music back in the mid-late 90s. When you say that, like, when there's a big house scene, like, what does that mean? Like, fucking warehouse parties? I mean, like, what what is it? Yeah, everything. There was uh, warehouse parties and... Like, all the top house DJs in the world were playing in Vancouver every week. It was ridiculous. I got to see a lot of incredible DJs play there, like Little Louis Vega and, you know, Derek Carter, all the biggest DJs. Mark Farina would play there, like, every weekend. I think he still does. (laughs) (laughs) We're a pretty spoiled city for house music, and Toronto is for sure. There's a lot of great house labels come from Toronto, too. Stickman recordings and a lot of legendary ones. I feel like I don't love house music, but I don't necessarily know if I'm even thinking of the right thing. Yeah, house is just so repetitive by nature, of course. That's what makes house music, but they'll add like a really cool melody or a a cool bass line. Just it's like hypnotic, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely, it's kind of a niche genre, but it does uh, cross over a lot of different styles. You have like jazzy house, deep house, darker tribal kind of hosts. There's even 80s kind of hosts too. Daft Punk did a lot of that stuff. Does that music ever like come out of you while you're trying to write FM Attack stuff? Yeah, I, I think it definitely has an influence. Uh, like Dreamatic, you'll notice a lot of my beats are more dancey. Mm-hmm. On the new album, I kind of got back to that too. There's some dance tracks on there, even though they're synth wave, I guess, or whatever you call it, retro wave. A lot of synths and uh, melodies and more dancey beats, I guess. So how did the Mexican connection happen? Like, did you meet your wife in Vancouver or were you like traveling in Mexico or like, how did that work? Yeah, I met her here actually. I went on an exchange here years ago. I did like uh, two years of high school here. Oh, cool. I had a lot of really good friends here and I'd come back every year for holidays and hang out for, you know, a couple weeks. And and, uh, yeah, I met her 2011. You did a two-year exchange? Yeah, not two years in a row. I skipped a year, I think. You know, it was a lot different down here back in the 90s. There was probably half the population that there is now. It's getting busy down here. But it's gorgeous here. I I love this place. It's so laid back and chilled. It's like a laid back surf town and fishing. And yeah, it's it's a little too laid back. I kind of miss the city a lot. Even though I go back every year for a few months, it's uh, miss Vancouver a lot. And then I can go back and bitch about the rain. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And laugh at you freezing 30 below or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Our weather is fucking ridiculous. One day it's like everything's coated with ice and it's like negative 40. And then the next day it's fucking summer and (laughs) it's wacky. I think the the most annoying thing now is just that there's no consistency. That's what's frustrating, because obviously when it warms up, it's nice for like a day, and then you're not even allowed to get used to it before all of a sudden there's like two feet of snow instantly. Like, it's insane. Yeah. Do you ever go away anywhere to like tropical place or anything? I used to travel 
travel a lot. And my mom lives in Vancouver, but usually she comes here now. In the summer, of course. The idea, the idea of me like <laughs> traveling with my wife and kids on a plane, like is just that's never going to happen. Like I just don't want to do it. But I haven't. Uh, first of all, I haven't renewed my passport in like twenty years or something. When I was young, my dad's thing was traveling, and so two years of my life, we actually took off of school. I mean. One of them was nursery school. Like when I was in grade three and we did a trip to the South Pacific where I just, we just left for like four months. Wow, that's really cool. When I was in grade eight, I did a Southeast Asia trip with my dad, Thailand and Malaysia, Singapore, Macau, Hong Kong, and then Europe because my mom's family is French. They, they live in France and some in England. And so we do, I've been there and, and obviously Vancouver, I've been a few times because my mom used to live there. My brother used to live there, huh. but I haven't been to Vancouver since like 1998 or something, you know, like it's been a long time. Been a while. I just remember Vancouver, the street names annoyed me. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I was just like, I hated just like fucking Thurlow or whatever. Like I just see that street name. Oh, be like, yeah. What a dumb sounding street name. And there's a bunch like that. Yeah, that is a dumb name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very particular guy. I'll tell you this. When I was in Vancouver was when the Virgin Megastore opened. And I remember being so excited because I could buy Doctor Who tapes at Virgin Megastore because it was so big. It just had so much stuff. Yeah. I always look forward to that. Like when I go to Vancouver, like the, the day when we'd go to the Virgin Megastore and I'd go buy some Doctor Who tapes, you know, before the internet when you can just get what you want all the time. Yeah, I love that place. I pretty much lived at the... Virgin Megastore buying records. Every weekend I'd go there and buy records. I mean, the closest thing we had to that was Sam the Record Man, which is... Samson HMV, of course. Yes. Yeah. And now, do those do any of those exist? I think HMV is still going, actually. But uh, Sam, I think it's gone. Yeah, Sam's is gone. And they took the sign down, the big uh, records. Yeah. The cool thing about Vancouver is a whole bunch of cool record stores have popped up now with vinyl craze. So yeah. it's got a vinyl market there which is cool when did the virgin megastore close oh gosh i think it's like it's been at least 15 years okay. i think yeah. <laughs> i'm such an old man, <laughs> it's been a while, man. Like, but i love that place like the records were cheap too like if you'd go to sam's i'd go to sam's and, and see the records i'd write a list and then i go to virgin i'd be like oh it's like almost half the price. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that place was awesome. Like it was so big and it just had that big bright sign. Whenever I would be in Vancouver, it just felt like it was a trendy place. Yeah, that was the place to go for sure. It's changed a lot. You know, I still love Vancouver, but it's it's gotten quite commercial. And But it's still really cool. A lot of uh, really cool people, a lot of art, music. There's so much going on, but EDM and hip hop kind of took the city over. I've never been cool enough to know what scenes are happening. Well, yeah, I got to go back and figure it all out to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, here's what we got to figure out now. We got to listen to some more music. That's not a very good segue. We're going to 2010 to the uh, the EP Astro Wave. And this was a song that I dug from this one. This one's called A Million Miles Away by FM Attack.
And that was A Million Miles Away by FM Attack. And I'm here with FM Attack right now. Sean, talking about Virgin Megastore. <laughs> so did you get into collecting vinyl at all? Or? As some artists have sent me vinyls. To me, I treat them more as collectible things. Yeah. And if I can uh, get a proper set built at some point, I'd like to just showcase the the vinyls, you know, because they're nice to look at. But um, I was never into the collection of them for the purposes of like, well, you know, you get the best audio on a vinyl. Like, I'm not one of those people. Yeah. But maybe you do. I, don't know. I gave uh, some vinyl to Marco, but then uh, I found out he put it on eBay and, and sold it. So <laughs> never given that guy another record ever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, you've saved a lot of money by not collecting. So So what do you do? Like, do you have a collection? I do. Yeah, I I collect a lot. It's crazy. I've got like all my aunts and uncles vinyl and tons of 80s and 70s, 80s, 90s music. I've got like almost 2,500 records. (laughs) Now, does the, the heat in Mexico cause the records to like warp? It's actually not bad because I have them in uh, air-conditioned place. So, and, uh, <laughs> Is that an yeah. actual concern? Yeah. It, it, well, no. I think they can reach like pretty high temperatures unless they're in direct sunlight. Right. I do take good care of them, though. You know, vinyl's a love-hate thing. It's They're just high maintenance, and but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun digging through them. And the artwork's incredible on some obscure records that... You just don't get it in the digital world. Yeah, that's the one thing that uh, I do miss. I think that's what sort of makes digital music have this sort of disposable quality is just because, you know, that you never actually touch it. It just doesn't feel as substantial, even though like there's lots of pretty much all the synthwave I have has been delivered to me digitally and... Obviously, the music has had a big effect on my life, but there is something different about holding a record and listening to the music as you're holding the booklet or the, you know, like the CD disc jacket or whatever. And, you know, absolutely. You know, like they used to put so much work into an album just just on the artwork side of things. And it really does set the tone. Like when I think back to some of the the albums that I listen to, although, mind you, like there are some pretty talented artists uh, in the scene that have made some pretty cool uh, album covers, but then I still I still want to see them printed out like poster size. Yeah, totally. And then there's the other side of it where you'll have a, a song, incredible song that's never released on vinyl, and, and it's just a digital release. There's two sides to it. Well, the bottom line is is that we uh, we all like the music. Is that the bottom line? That's the <laughs> that's right. Exactly. If it's good, it's good. What else goes on, man? So what do you do uh, when you're not making tunes? Because obviously you're saying you're not always in studio right so do you have any uh, hobbies you like to surf i don't surf i skateboard though and uh i ski too when i'm in canada in the winter but obviously down here surfing or or skateboarding or nothing is is skateboarding a wise thing to be doing can be i broke my hand about five years ago. <laughs> i don't go as hard as i used to because Obviously, if I break my hand, I can't work on music. Yeah. The idea of me on a skateboard is terrifying because I, I know I would like fall off that thing and my neck would be fucking stiff for like two years. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a dangerous thing to do. But it keeps you nimble. Do you feel nimble? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's cool because skateboarding, there's people in their 50s still, still skateboarding like Tony Hawk. and He's still killing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of his brand, though. Like, can that dude ever actually stop? Totally. I think he might stop skateboarding literally the day he dies. Like where he does a fucking half pipe thing and lands on his head and then it's just over? <laughs> yeah, I was just watching videos of him on the half pipe from like a couple months ago. 
insane. You can still be an old guy and just, you don't have to do tricks, like just skate around as a mode of getting around and then do the occasional ollie or whatever. Yeah, that's what I do now. I just cruise around and I bring my daughter. She's got her little skateboard and stuff. <laughs> no helmet on her head, of course. <laughs> well, that's how you learn. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, that's cool because, I mean, if she's young, I mean, like, she'll be real good at it. Yeah, that's what scares me. When they absorb those skills at a young age, unfortunately, my son is, I think, wasting it on Fortnite. Oh, Fortnite. What is that? It's just some fucking game, <laughs> but everyone is playing it, and it's just really addictive. Do you play it? No. It annoys me. I'm still... <laughs> I love that word, annoys me. Yeah. Annoys <laughs> Like I'm, I'm fucking annoyed. Yeah, it, it bugs me because you know, obviously, obviously, I'm, I'm a gamer. Like I game. I have right now. I'm sort of not addicted to, but I will boot up my Switch and play Tetris 99, and that's the one where you play Tetris against like 99 other people, and you try and get to be number one. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, it's good. Um, I mean, it's Tetris. But uh, Fortnite, it's it's just a massive multiplayer battle royale game, yeah. you know, so that, you know, there's like 100 players and you whittle them down. But they've capitalized on the sort of addictive quality of like everything's timed, you know, so it's like, uh, you know, Friday night is special loot night or whatever. And then like season two is ending soon and season three starts next week and they're changing the map. And so the kids feel like they're missing something if they're not playing all the time. Yeah. And that's why everyone's playing this fucking game. And it's free, right? So it's a free game, and they make you buy their stupid in-game currency V-Bucks. Oh, right. That's how you buy new outfits and dumb shit. <laughs> yeah, so it's just, re- like, all he talks about is Fortnite and V-Bucks, and I refuse to buy him V-Bucks because it's, like, such a fucking rip-off. Oh my god. <laughs> it's, like, 20 bucks for, like, a thousand V-Bucks, and you need, like, 2000 to buy a stupid pirate hat or something and it's like what it doesn't even help with the game like you know other games when they have dlc at least it's like it's a weapon that is useful for the game or you get some piece of armor or you get a new vehicle or something yeah in fortnite it's all like dances like you buy a new dance where your character dances and it's so fucking dumb didn't they get sued by um what's his name from uh fresh prince of bel-air what's what was his name well carlton carlton <laughs> yeah they stole his dance yeah he's not the only one there's been a lot of lawsuits against uh i don't know if they've won but people sue fortnite every week because a dance is too similar to a dance that they say they've copyrighted or whatever uh they must be doing well if they have a lot of people suing them yeah oh no that it's every kid is playing fortnite in the world yeah like that game must have a fucking user install base of like 100 million or something like it's fucking bonkers everyone plays that fucking game wow i've got a ps4 the only thing i've been playing once in a while i've got a star wars battlefront 2 it's pretty cool I like it. Yeah, as much as I didn't like uh, the direction that franchise has taken with the movies, I think the Battlefront game is actually okay. Yeah, I wasn't really into it at first, because first-person shooters, I like playing them on a computer with mouse and keyboard, but Mm. once you get used to it, it's, it's... a lot of fun. And the graphics are really good. I remember, like, when the first one came out, I was really impressed visually and just how they recreated, like, scenarios from the movies. Like, I thought, like, the actual locations, they were so accurate to the, the movies. Like, that was the coolest part for me. Yeah, it's really good. But you're right about the, the movie franchise. It's like, ugh, come on, Disney. 
<laughs> it's a popular topic on this show. Yeah. But I mean, at least you can, you know, if you, if you want to see Luke actually be a hero and not a stupid old man who's an asshole who has a heart attack at the end, you can play the Battlefield games. and Yeah, that was the lamest thing they ever did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've picked that movie apart so many times. It's like, oh, come on. Dude, everyone has. You can't track people when they go light speed. Impossible. No, well, also, if... Okay, hold on. We got to listen to a song uh, because... <laughs> <laughs> I'll fucking do it. But uh, I'm, I'm going to move forward now to Deja Vu from 2013. And uh, and this was a song that uh, I really dug on this one. This is Corazon. That's how you say that, right? Corazon. Yeah. Corazon. Like that? Corazon. Corazon. Yeah. Like that? That's perfect. Yeah. It means heart. So I have to say Corazon. 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 Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, let's... <laughs> Now you're going to have a bunch of Latina girls call into your show. Hey, they do anyways, man. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. Ladies yeah. love me. They're like, I need some 37-year-old guy with a fucking gut who uh, hosts a synthwave show. And anyway, let's <laughs> listen to this song now, all right? This is uh, Corazon by FM Attack.
And that was FM Attack with the track. Am I going to say it right? Corazón. 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 Perfect. All right. And uh, I'm here with FM Attack right now. You know what I was just thinking? Because we're talking about Star Wars. Yeah. Remakes and reboots have always been seen as bad. Right? I mean, like, there's only, like, there's a handful of reboots and remakes that were actually good. Yeah. You know, as a film nerd, we've always sort of understood that every time they say they're going to reboot a franchise or they're going to do a sequel or, you know, they're going to make a remake, most of the time we always went, we're like, oh, this is going to suck. Oh, reboots never work. These things are always bad. It's like the best reboots are Scarface and The Thing. I mean, like, I don't, or the remakes, those are remakes. Yeah. And then you could see. Batman Begins as a reboot of the Batman movie franchise or whatever. Yeah. But I think the thing that annoys me about Star Wars and Ghostbusters, when the reboots and these things were bad before, they were bad, but it was it was for like a cynical reason. It was like business. Yeah. You know, it was like RoboCop 3 sucks because they clearly didn't give a shit. Like they just said, look, we've got the RoboCop franchise which is like an R-rated franchise. We're going to make it PG-13 so we can sell more tickets to little kids and sell toys. And they didn't care who directed it. You know, like, they didn't give a shit. They just knew, like, here's a thing that can sell. And and a lot of reboots and and remakes were like that. It's like a company has a recognizable name. They're banking on making some money just because people recognize the name and they don't care about the product. Totally. When that was the case, the villain is like capitalism. And so it's easy to hate, you know? It's just like, yeah, these fucking corporations just want to make money on, like, recognizable franchises and stuff. And so everyone can agree that they can hate these reboots and remakes because they're just... They're not coming from a place of love or a place of art or whatever, you know? Yeah, totally. So... I think what really then bothers me about Star Wars and some of the new reboots that have happened lately is that all of the decisions they made that sucked were, like, intentional. And they weren't from a place of, like, cynicism of, like, we'll just put out any old shit. It's like they intentionally made Luke an asshole. Yeah. Like, that was a creative decision to tarnish the reputation of a beloved character. Like, that was a decision that was made. I totally feel the same way about that. I was livid about it. Just horrible. Yeah, it's funny. J.J. Uh, Abrams, the lens flare thing, it's just out of control, that guy. Have you actually thought about how much lens flare he puts into every film he produces or directs? I wonder if there's a super cut, like on YouTube? There is. You got to watch it and you'll be like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it almost blinds you when you watch the Star Trek movies. It's like, oh, dude, I can't look at that. My eyes, like, I, have this, <laughs> like, I got to turn it off. <laughs> I think I've I've always been sensitive to lens flares because I remember um, I mean because I'm a big fan of Goldeneye and then when Perfect Dark came out mm-hmm. they did this thing where they threw lens flares on everything but they weren't real lens flares it was just sort of like a white blur like where lights are and there were some shots where there were so many lens flares that it was just really annoying yeah. there was just so many lights and they all gave off the same looking fucking flare yeah. <laughs> was, so that's always made me sensitive to it a bit yeah he was in some inner and he said oh I, I realized I overdid it and blah 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 and so I watched Overlord the, that new kind of zombie World War 2 movie have mm. you heard of that? I've heard it's good it's really good and I'm like oh the first half of the movie oh no lens flares all of a sudden boom starts with the lens flares <laughs> <laughs> yeah man no, people uh, people seem to really dig that one I'll watch it one of these days man where I get some time it's, it's pretty cool
in hindsight, like with Force Awakens, I gave Force Awakens a pass because I enjoyed Force Awakens. I saw it twice. But part of my enjoyment of Force Awakens was in the hope that the following movies would be better. Yeah. You know, so I was like, Force Awakens is fine. You didn't like Rogue One? Oh, Rogue One's my favorite. Rogue One's the best one. That one was okay. It was pretty good. Yeah, no, Rogue One I like, actually. But the problem I had with Force Awakens was, okay, like, it's a little weird and the timeline's a little weird. Like, everything happens too fast and sort of, you know, rehashing old shit. But, like, look, if this is chapter one in a new series of Star Wars movies and the next two movies are really, really good, then Force Awakens will be an acceptable part one to this new great trilogy that's being made. So Last Jedi was just like, I was sad when I walked out of the theater. Like I felt depressed. And I remember having this weird feeling of being cheated because the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes were at 92%. And I was like, for sure, this is going to be a great movie. And now I don't trust Rotten Tomatoes for the rest of time because like, (laughs) either those people were bought or they felt they couldn't dislike the movie for whatever reason. Now I I look at Force Awakens differently because it didn't lead to something better. So now I'm mad about all the dumb decisions they made in Force Awakens, like keeping Luke out of the movie. Like having fucking Han Solo get killed in such a stupid way. Yeah, everybody got killed in the dumbest way. You know, you want to really introduce a new cast and you want the audience to like these new people. You have to treat the old ones with some sort of respect. Like let them die as heroes and then we understand they've now been replaced by a new cast because our our old heroes are gone and so here are the new ones. Yeah, I really think what you were saying... The people in charge of writing this, they don't have the love for the franchise or probably the knowledge, to be honest. Because, Mm. come on, you can't write a story that bad, even if you try. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. So many things about Last Jedi break the Star Wars universe, and they do it on purpose. The fucking light speed through the ship thing, that was a problem. People don't understand sometimes that, like, even in science fiction or fantasy, there's still rules you've set up in your world, and those rules are important for drama. Oh, yeah. There's so many moments where you're like, well, if they can light speed through ships, why aren't they doing that all the time? Why would these idiots let their fuel run out? Yeah. If they're gonna die anyways, I would point my ship towards the thing, just like, fuck, if I'm gonna die anyways, I might as well fucking light speed through their ship yeah and then it just raises the question of why light speeding through ships has never been a tactical plot point because you could just have droid manned fucking ships whose whole purpose is just to fucking light speed through bigger craft and so what they don't understand is they make one shot that looks kind of cool and then it just breaks one of the rules of the universe and it just raises a whole bunch of questions and how about uh when the rebels were uh dropping the bombs and uh she falls when there's no gravity she falls yeah. <laughs> six meters like a rock boom but the hatch was open so there was no gravity i had an actual different problem with that scene than a lot of people did because i'm willing to accept okay in the star wars universe you know you hear sound effects in space maybe their space rules aren't quite the same as ours but the impracticality of those bomb ships it just made no sense like so you've got these ships that drop bombs that literally if you even tap them they explode yeah and the pilot is killed and the ship explodes and is useless and there's literally a scene where like an x-wing or whatever tie fighter gets shot and then it falls hits one of those bomb ships it explodes the resulting explosion then blows up the bomb ships that are next to it yeah and like are those bombs magnetic or how do they work why does it seem like there's no gravity in space like they just drop yeah i know like <laughs> even if you think okay well then it's magnetic it still is a stupid 
thing. Like, it's just a dumb... It, no one would build that ship. Like, especially if they're like, well, here's the thing. You have to fly directly over top of the ship you want to destroy. Then you have to drop a stream of bombs. If at any point any of those bombs detonates, it will send a chain reaction of explosions up the strand of bombs and blow you up and you will have done no damage. You also travel so slowly that you need to be protected at all times by, like, other ships. World War II technology. Yeah, it, it's so fucking dumb. And, like, the whole movie was that for me. Why did this get 92% on Rotten Tomatoes? Like, I just didn't understand it. I was so confused. Yeah, I didn't even want to watch Han Solo, but I gotta admit, it, it wasn't that bad. Han Solo was okay. Yeah, it was okay. I think yeah. my biggest problem with Han Solo, I thought the cinematography was terrible. Like, I thought the movie looked really muddy. Yeah. And I'd never bought him as Han Solo. My favorite character was Chewie. And it was fun to see Chewie kicking people into walls and throwing people around and shit. Yeah, he was great. Well, look, here's what I like. I like music by FM Attack, and we're going to listen to uh, another track, man. All right. Here's a cool one. This is Tears Don't Lie by FM Attack. We'll be right back. 
And that was Tears Don't Lie by FM Attack. And I'm here with FM Attack right now. Sean, in Mexico, you must speak fluent Spanish. No, I just speak Irish. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so how often uh, do you go out to Ireland? Gone the last uh, three summers in a row, actually. Had a big family reunion there last uh, October. Was there for a month. It was a lot of fun. So what do you do when you're there? We go out into the countryside, into the pubs, and you basically drink and eat. I went to my grandfather's hometown, and it's in County Kerry, a really cool part of Ireland. It's a small town. It's about uh, 5,000 people. And uh, guess how many pubs are there? Let's see, 5,000. Well, you're asking because there's going to be a lot, right? 28 pubs. Yeah, that's a lot for that. Yeah, I'm thinking because <laughs> I come from a town that's like population 2000 and there is one bar and it's like the size of someone's living room or something. Like it's not like a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool there. So um, my mom's cousin's husband owns a pub in this town also. So go in there and he's like, oh, my cousin from Canada and Got me so drunk, pretty much couldn't walk. Because the Guinness there, it's like, it hits you pretty hard. Now, I've heard the Guinness, when you actually drink it from there, tastes different than if you buy it here. Oh, it's amazing. It's not too heavy. You can drink like 10 of them. (laughs) See, I wonder why that is. See, because I'm not too fond of drinking Guinness. I just usually drink lagers like when I drink, and I find that Guinness to me, tastes like beer mixed with coffee. Like, that's what it tastes like to me. Yeah, the, the ones in Ireland, it's a lot smoother, so it doesn't have, like, the bite of a stout that you'll drink at a pub in Canada or the U.S. or whatever. What they say is something happens to it when it travels. Like, the proper Guinness comes straight from Ireland there, from the factory, but they have the kegs conditioned that they're not supposed to travel, so they brew it at a different brewery when when you're drinking a Guinness that's not in Ireland, so makes sense. So I'm I'm in this pub and uh, I meet this old guy. He he looks maybe like 65 and little wiry guy with glasses. Old guy and he's just slinging back the pints and the bartender knows my second cousin. He's like, oh, this is my father. He probably knew your grandfather and. Like, oh, did you know my grandfather, Patty McCarthy? He just lived down the street. And he goes, okay, um, was his father Jimmy McCarthy? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, I worked for your great-grandfather for like three summers. And he was a hell of a guy. And I'm like, what? So (laughs) I sat down and he talked about my great-grandpa. It was just so weird. I'm like how old are you, man? And he's like, I'm almost 80. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Can I drink more Guinness than me? I was like, what the hell? (laughs) Well, it's like a fountain of youth. Maybe it's uh, keeping him young. Yeah. And then it was so cool because I found all these guys who knew my great grandfather and like my great aunts and uncles and stuff. But my grandfather actually left town when he was uh, 19. So a lot of people didn't know my grandfather, but they remembered his father, which is pretty cool. I love the idea of you asking somebody in Ireland if they knew Patty McCarthy. Yeah. That's like literally like, <laughs> like a cartoon Irish person's name. Yeah. And they're very um, proud of their heritage, of course, there. So they tell me this all over Kerry, like all my friends and family. And they say, oh, Sean, you, you never call an Irishman Mickey or never say the word Mick ever. Mickey or they're like the pride of being an Irishman is a Patty and if you're a patty, you're, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty uh, proud people. Yeah, I've never been to Ireland. I've heard it's very nice. Not necessarily weather, but that it's peaceful or something. It's similar to Scotland, and they love Scottish 
too. Like I get along really good with Michael Oakley too. So. Yeah, fuck that guy. He's a great guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's a cool guy. He makes uh, fun tunes. Yeah, he's got a great voice too. So I want to learn some Spanish. Spanish. Do you want to know some bad words or I've got all the slang down here. So. Yeah, teach me some slang. Maybe something I wouldn't I wouldn't think to know. Well, each region in Mexico kind of has their own slang, but there's general slang that's spoken all over. Well, everybody says way, W-E-Y. It's like dude down here. Say way. 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 Like the way. Like you pronounce it like way. 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 Hey, way. Where's the cocaine? It can mean um dude in a friendly way but it actually means like a young bull like a cow what <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm trying to i don't know why that became the slang here <laughs> way way a way and then you just say you say what's up Kaonda? what's what does that mean what wave like what wave what wave yeah it's like What's up? You actually say the word wave? No, you say onda. Onda. Que onda. Or you can say buena onda means cool. Actually, Spanish is really cool because you can express yourself in way more ways than you can in English. A lot of things I say on the show, I always call people cool guys. Kipaso means like a, a really cool dude or cool person. Kipaso? Kipaso. What's happening before the paso? T. T. T I P. Tipasso. Tipasso. Yeah, that means like hell of a guy. Okay, I can use that. Hey, you're all a bunch of tipasso. Yeah, tipassos in plural. Hey, uh, you're all a bunch of tipassos. Yeah. Way. <laughs> tipassos. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I tell you what, we should listen to some more music. Let's do it. We're going to move forward here to Stellar, the album you put out in 2017. And uh, this was a track I dug. Uh, this one is called Inner Space, featuring many names. And uh, we're going to listen to that right now.
And that was Inner Space. Featuring many names by FM Attack, and I'm here with FM Attack right now, Tipasso. Thanks, Andy. Buena onda. Buena onda. (laughs) Way. This is me trying to learn uh, Spanish. My daughter, she can understand Spanish, kind of, but um, I'm really strict with her TV, so she just watches all the old school cartoons, and uh, she watches Labyrinth and Dark Crystal every week. And at first I was like, oh, you can't watch Dark Crystal, it's way too dark and creepy, And but she just loves it. Really, the only really freaky part is just, I am still Emperor! I still get creeped out by that. When he fucking disintegrates. Heavy <laughs> like, man. It's like, whoa. I'm digitizing all of my shows on DVD right now. Nice. So right now I'm doing the simple thing of creating playlists of just all the good, like, 80s cartoons. <laughs> nice. And right now I'm just making a playlist that's, like, real Ghostbusters and gummy bears and DuckTales and Transformers. But they're just big, long playlists. They sort of remind me of when I was a kid and I would have a VHS tape and I would just record the shows I liked. Oh, yeah. You know, you would end up with like this six hour tape of just shows after one another and you'd have like commercials in them and shit. Yeah. I want to eliminate thinking too much. Like whenever I flip through Netflix or Amazon, like I just waste so much time. Yeah. I'm kind of getting disappointed with Netflix. The series are so bad. Andy, it's just, I try to (laughs) watch series and I'll get through 10 minutes and I'm like, are you serious? It's like they're dumbing everybody down now. I'm trying to think of the shows I really liked. Like when I watch Netflix and go, this is a really great show. You know which one I really liked was the fake documentary one with the kids are in high school. I haven't seen that. Who drew the dicks? What the fuck is it? American Vandal. That show is really good. It's it's funny. Like it's actually really funny, really well written. Okay. I'll check that one out. And it's easy to watch. Like they're not long. Yeah. But I know what you mean. I always complain about how I can never make a decision and choose a show and I waste all this time. I guess we did that in the video stores back in the day too, right? I'd spend like an hour in the store trying to pick up it. Yeah, but the difference is you are in a physical place. Like you're actually doing something. As as lame as it sounds. Hey, <laughs> you're standing. Think about the laziness of not being able to pick a show when you're at home just sitting there. Yeah. It's such idle, useless time. Like I'm not really relaxed when I'm flipping through shows because I feel like I have to make a decision. It's not the same as when you actually sit there and watch something. Yeah. You know, even in the your video store example, it's like, hey, you're out. You know, you're, you're at the video store, which means you went for a little walk. You know, maybe you're with your friends. Yeah, that's right. When you're at home watching Netflix and you can't choose a thing, you're not with friends. You haven't done anything. You haven't earned. You haven't earned it. Andy, it's all virtual now. Life is just virtual. <laughs> Soon we won't have to do anything. You'll just sit there all day. No, that's going to be depressing, man. It's going to depress us all. Yeah. But that's what I think is cool about um, people like us who know what it was like before the big internet takeover and we just gotta educate the next generation as much as we can that's what I try to do with my daughter right so that she knows that a different world did exist (laughs) you're technically just a few years older than me so I think you are technically in the zenial generation yeah just 77 to 83 yeah but you know my wife she's my wife sorry sorry (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but she has great taste. You know, I don't. I don't like to criticize people's tastes or anything. I but do. Yeah, it's. Like, <laughs> it's like I couldn't be with somebody that had bad taste and like 
everything from music to film to food. Some people don't really care. They just eat whatever they're fed. I wish the same things for my kids that they understand, but obviously they're still going to be pulled in the direction that society is going at that time. I mean, oh, yeah. for my son, like, I wish he wasn't playing Fortnite, but all the kids are playing it. And like, you know, hey, when I was young and the big game was fucking whatever, you know, like Super Mario Brothers 3, it's like you would feel left out if you weren't playing Super Mario Brothers 3. It just so happens Super Mario Brothers 3 is a great game. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I'm not sure what my point my, my point is the bottom line is Super Mario Brothers 3 is a good game are you with me or not totally I still have uh, my Nintendo I have a NES an original NES and uh, I hook it up once in a while it's not hooked up right now but oh man I've got such great games too I've got Contra I've got Paperboy I've got like all the classics <laughs> Metal Gear is like I almost broke the cassette in half I think I threw it against the wall when I was like <laughs> I saw all the corners are smashed on it. That was a really tough one. Oh, yeah, man. Okay, Metal Gear. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious to think because, like, I love the, like, the Metal Gear Solid. So it is funny to remember that. No, it actually did start as that Nintendo game. Yeah. And I think what happens in the Nintendo game actually counts. Like, that is part of the story. Yeah. I always thought they would remake that. Yeah. Or, like, re- retell that story in some way. Yeah. Well, let's see here. We'll talk about some games, but I want to listen to some more music. All right. So here's a cool track that I dug. This one's called Images of You by FM Attack.
And that was FM Attack with the track Images of You. And I'm here with FM Attack right now, Sean. And uh, Talking about video games. Yeah. Did you ever play Rampage? It's pretty harsh, actually, you know? Where you, like, pull the people out of the windows and eat them? Yep. <laughs> Did you ever play Primal Rage? Oh, I think so. That rings a bell. That was the dinosaur fighting game. Ah, okay. I remember. I remember that one. It had a similar yeah. thing where there's like people running around and you like sort of kick them and they fly around. I think they were trying to do like Mortal Kombat, but with dinosaurs because the dinosaurs were like stop frame animation, I think. Yeah. You guys have a, a good um, retro arcade in Toronto. You must. We've got some barcades. Oh, you do? That's cool. Yeah, uh, there's one called Tilt that I go to. Once a month, they have like a synthwave night. Yeah, Marco and I went in, uh, when we were in Brooklyn. It was a lot of fun. I think it's because, you know, a lot of the uh, entrepreneurs and business owners now are from our generation. And so yeah. if you're going to open up a bar, if you're like our age, it's like, well, there's got to be an arcade machine or there has to be video games or something. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like it's yeah. it's part of the, I mean, it's definitely part of the way I socialized as a kid was like, you know, all through high school and stuff, like video games was sort of the background to hanging out. For sure. Yeah. That was just what you did. It was like, yeah, we get together. There'd be like four friends and we play Goldeneye. And it was almost more about just an excuse to like, we were sitting there hanging out and we're talking and having conversations and sort of Goldeneye almost became like your automated response. Yeah. Like your your hands are moving and you're playing the game, but it's sort of like you're not totally focused necessarily. Yeah. Which... I think is what I miss a bit, you know, because a lot of the new shooting games, they're very, they're so competitive that it's not the same. It's not as social. It's more, it's way more of a competition than it is like a fun social thing. Yeah, I hear you for sure. Like Gauntlet, I remember in the arcade, you know, there'd be four of you there. Just we'll spend $30 just to finish it. Fucking Gauntlet. What was the sound sample in Gauntlet? Oh, I don't know, but it was such a great game. Remember like when you first play, like, isn't there like a voice that goes like, collect keys to, or something like it, it, it tells you how to yeah. play the game, but I don't remember what it is. Yeah. It, it, it has like a little dungeon master or whatever. Welcome. Friends can join in anytime. I'm trying to make like a makeshift arcade unit. Wow. When I say that, I mean, because I'm not going to do it properly. I'm <laughs> like, I have an old, uh, like widescreen TV that, that I can use for that, but it's, it's kind of too big and it's not square. So like the whole shape of the unit's going to be like all weird and I'm not even good at building things. I'm terrible actually. And yeah. I don't think I'm going to use proper ingredients. I think I'm just going to use whatever scrap wood my dad has in the basement to like build the frame. And so it'll just look like this crazy fucking Frankenstein thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's up with those curved TVs. Have you seen those? They're kind of weird. Yeah. They're popular, but I was looking at it. I was like, eh. Well, supposedly, there's no bad viewing angle. <laughs> That's the... <laughs> wow. Have I sold you on it? <laughs> no, you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> like, I haven't bought a new TV in a while. It's never in my budget. Like, anytime I have any spare money now, I put it towards equipment for the show. So I buy little odds and ends. I'm, I'm, I'm doing more, like, streaming now on Twitch, and so I gotta buy all these, like, video capture cards and things. And I do want a bigger TV. Anyway. That's my story about that. <laughs> but yeah, man, what else is uh, what else goes on in the in the life of uh, Sean? Pretty much, uh, it's been locked down in the studio since October. The new album, I've been chipping away at it, and uh, over the last year and a half, actually. But as I say, I've really been in the studio every day since October. So pretty burnt out, actually. But I've only got one more song to finish here, so. And I actually uh, just finished a song and 
Mika Mako is on vocals for it. So I'm really excited about that. Is there a plan of some kind regards to Outland or is this just a coincidence? Yeah, it's a coincidence that we're playing there together, but uh, I've got her vocals on this one song for the album. So really excited about that. And my man, Blake Bandelmoon, he sings on three of the songs from the album. So cool. That dude is like so talented. Yeah, he inspired me a lot too. He's got really cool vibe like you know we're both huge cure fans so he's definitely influenced me yeah vandal moon is uh his project definitely sounds very authentic new wave yeah when i listen to his stuff it's like oh like it sounds like this could have existed back then it's like he's too good he's too good (laughs) well look man maybe we'll listen to one more song and then uh talk a bit about uh your plans for the future and that kind of shit yeah here's a cool song that i dig this is from stellar this one's called callisto or do you say callisto or do you say callisto callisto is actually it's the moon of uh jupiter jupiter's moon callisto do you like space stuff oh god yeah totally should we have talked about that the whole time outer space no, I'm spaced out enough. <laughs> <laughs> Wordplay. All right, look, let's listen to this, man. This is Callisto by FM Attack.
was FM Attack with the track Callisto. And I'm here with FM Attack right now, Sean. And uh, all the way from Mexico. Or Mexico, is that correct? Yeah, that's a spicy taco. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't, what's that uh, line? That, that's a spicy meatball. Yeah. What's that line from, Andy? You're really good at lines from Well, that's film. a spicy meatball is from a lot of things, isn't it? Alka-Seltzer can help unstuff you, relieve the acid indigestion, and help make you your old self again. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. Eat your food. Don't shoot it. Now I'm just thinking of the Seinfeld episode with the, these pretzels are making me thirsty. Oh, yeah. No, I love Seinfeld so much. I know it's like not an original thought to have, but I, f- I feel like lately there's been so much articles all the time talking about how all the stuff I liked when I was young is actually like a problem now. You know, like, oh, you know, you can never make the office in this day and age, you know, like this is horribly offensive and blah, blah, blah. And there's yeah. there's all these people who feel like, well, Seinfeld was the number one sitcom for like, you know, nine years. And so it's cool to hate it, but I can't help what... I find funny, man. And when I go back and watch old Seinfeld, it's still so, it's so funny to me. Yeah. Like, I just, I just love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. So classic. But yeah, it's funny you say that. Everything you say is pretty much politically incorrect these days. It's a weird thing. Hopefully it just sort of goes away. Yeah. <laughs> It'll pass. Yeah, like, even, even with, like, the differences in sort of the political spectrum and how people feel, I do believe there is common ground in that most people find the political correctness kind of tiring. Most of the people, like, honestly, everybody I talk to, 
in real life goes like, what the fuck is up with some of this? You know, like where you'll sit there and make fun of articles that you saw online was like, really? Like, and Marco loves, he loves sending me articles that make me mad because he'll, he'll find super woke people writing these articles about how like everything cool is actually really shitty and they have like some hot take that's just fucking so annoying. Uh. He'll send these to me and they just make me so mad. This is always my go-to example because this might have been the stupidest one I ever saw, which was um, talking about how Super Mario promotes toxic masculinity. Oh, God. Are you serious? Dude, Marco laughs his ass off because he knows, like, it, it works me up. It's stuff that's of so little consequence. Like, I have to take a step back. This is why I just want to get off Twitter and everything. Yeah. Because I just always have to take a step back and go, okay, no one's reading this. This person's opinion is stupid and no one cares except me. And I just have to pull back because I don't want to fall into the trap of all the stuff that's out there just to annoy you when I go into the real world and I hang out with real people and most of those people have reasonable opinions. And if I walked out and had a conversation with people in the real world and say, you think, you know, Mario promotes toxic masculinity? First of all, they're probably going to be like, what the fuck is toxic masculinity? You know what I mean? Like, that's like a conversation that's being had by like a very tiny fraction of people. Yeah. And they're just not going to know what the fuck I'm talking about. And they're going to be like, why is that even an issue? And like, yeah. I mean, you know, when the Switch came out with the new Mario Brothers, there was a big article about how it was racist because Mario wore a sombrero. Oh, man. That one was funny because when that lady tweeted that, no one accepted that hypothesis so like so everyone underneath there's just like uh i'm mexican i don't give a shit but the bottom line is it's not a big deal (laughs) that mario wears a sombrero and some lady tried to make it sound like it was a problem and people like just jumped on it and was just like shut up like fucking shut up just live your life lady yeah come on <laughs> like but you know what i mean you, you you only need to hear these sentences and they just immediately make you mad that's what twitter is like all the time twitter is just a non-stop feed of just people with really annoying opinions <laughs> and i that's why i don't really look at it anymore yeah i try to keep all of my social media to uh music related things things i'm passionate about in this but i really don't like to get political with anything i find it it's like a dark kind of road to engage in you know there used to be a rule like you remember the rule was fucking you know when you get together with family at thanksgiving or whatever it was don't talk politics don't talk religion like those are the things you just didn't do and you'll find that if you live your life by that rule you will enjoy engaging with so many more people because those beliefs are like kind of deeply held. You know, a lot of people get their political beliefs like from their parents and stuff. And the same with religion. When you attack it, you don't understand you're attacking something deeper and people are going to be defensive. Yeah, people, it gets personal for sure. For me, it's like I have friends who have different political views than I have. Yeah. And I'm not going to let that spoil the friendship because like there's so many things we do get along with. Like, why would I you know when i have a friendship that's purely built on video games you know like here here's a person who pretty much every time we talk we just talk about video games and that's it why am i gonna spoil that by going like so this fucking trump uh, blah blah whatever and like and all of a sudden like it opens up this thing and just like why like it's not necessary like we talk about games that's what we talk about that's our friendship that's cool you might have a friend who you know you you talk politics with and that's your politics friend yeah Uh, you know but it's weird to inject it into everything it literally just creates a divide that's just unnecessary and yeah like uh some of my best friends are american it's like yeah it totally 
divides people i don't even watch the news anymore no there's no oh i i stopped a while ago yeah you turn to the news and they're like talk to a dude who's like now you're outside of the courthouse have they made a decision uh no they won't uh they're deliberating all afternoon they're expected to come out at uh, 4 p.m i would just be like well then why the fuck are we talking to you <laughs> like why are we talking to you then yeah. like, so you have no information thanks for fucking checking in asshole yeah it's fucking nonsense cable used to be awesome up until you know years ago (laughs) (laughs) i used to love cable but it just got so bad and and i just feel it's really dumbing people down a lot of people live in fear but at least the last star wars movie was really good yeah man (laughs) oh shit it's happening to me (laughs) wait (laughs) oh man but look man we should probably wrap this up yeah but it was uh it was lovely to finally uh, speak with you yeah man and you've done a great job with your show andy so well thanks dude yeah i've been listening to it for a few years now so it's great there's nobody else doing what you are so it's great for the scene. It's great for the artists. So I'd like to thank you, man. And I think everybody should thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded funny. Well, I like compliments, but uh, really, there'd be no show without the great music. And FM Attack makes great music. How about that? That's good, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, look, you have a lovely day down in Mexico, and uh, thanks for chatting. And hopefully, I'll see you. Uh, in July, we'll play some Goldeneye. Sounds good, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Right on it. Take care, dude. Thanks, buddy. Take it easy. All right, we did it. Yay! <laughs> All right, and that was my conversation with FM Attack. He's a cool guy. And I hope to see him in July at Outland, Toronto, on the 6th and the 7th. So don't forget about that. And as promised, we're going to debut a song from his upcoming album, New World. And this track is called Mixed Emotions, featuring Vandal Moon. Uh, You know, he mentioned that he was uh, doing a few tracks with Vandal Moon, and this is one of them, and it is cool. And I'm happy to premiere it on the show at the very end. What do normal shows do? Do they premiere songs at the start? Hey, I'm breaking new ground. So look, thank you all for listening to Beyond Synth. Uh, It's the best synthwave chat show there is. Tune in on Friday for the Beyond Synth High Five. This week will be with Julian who I had to disappoint because he just sent me the tracks he wants to play, and I had to tell him that, hey, bud, I already played some of those. Which means he's got to go back to the drawing board. And, uh, yeah, man, so thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to support the show, uh, beyondsynth.com, and you can see the donate options there. You can click on the Patreon or the PayPal, man. It's all all good. It's an exciting time to be alive. And now, let us... Listen to this brand new track from FM Attack. Not even released yet. That's exciting. Uh, This is Mixed Emotions by FM Attack featuring Vandal Moon. And I'll talk to you guys next time on Beyond Synth.